I can just imagine like the police showing up and you going, I didn't know it was illegal. And it's like, yeah, yeah, asshole, get in the car. <laughs> it's so standard, right? They say home is where the heart is. So I wonder why your motherfucker always feeling heartless. Welcome to episode 40 of Doubly Negative. As always, I'm Chris here with my friend Kyle. Kyle, how are you? Hi, Chris. It is pretty early for you. Yeah, we're doing it earlier than usual. So anyone listening that thinks Kyle sounds tired or mistakes him for being super depressed, it's because it's an hour earlier than we usually do it. Did I lose you or are you just leaving me in awkward silence? Awkward silence. Oh, okay. Well, that works. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned that you did something on accident. And oh, I'm very yeah. curious as to how this happened. So let's just start right off with that. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you were mentioning recently well well, i was talking about kratom 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 whatever and i don't know if we talked about it in the context of me going to jakarta but uh i think you might have expressed worry that i was going to become addicted doing it every day yeah it's something uh, that definitely crossed my mind and i was too Uh, i was doing it for i don't know nearly a month or maybe over a month every day i don't know i would just do it every day and it wasn't a big deal so yeah. yeah, and I will be honest, I in my head I was like, he might get addicted to this, but I had all of the faith in the world that you'd be able to stop if you really wanted to do so. Hmm. Like, I didn't think you were going to fall down like a pit and just like really heavily rely on that. So, just know I had faith in you. Oh, no, that that's, that's good to hear. And I, my, my feeling was basically the exact same. I, I was doing it for a month and I thought, well, maybe I am dependent on this, but I don't think it's going to. So, I, I had the exact same feeling. But... I ended up quitting by accident, and it's kind of funny, I think. So I did go to Jakarta this past weekend. and Much more interesting than Bali. Far more. Far more, yeah. Um, leading up to the trip, I did a lot of Googling about Kratom, Kratom, whatever, because I wanted to see if I could fly with it because, well, I like it. I was doing it every day. And the Google results are infuriating. Um, I don't know if this is Indonesia's fault. Well, of course it's Indonesia's fault, but it just, it, I don't know if it's legal or not. I really actually do not know. Some results I don't stay... think that's strictly an Indonesian thing. I think <laughs> that's very widely like not sure if this is true or not. I think it's legal. I think it's not like you can get certain kinds off the internet mm. delivered to you, but it's, it's weird. It's, it really is such a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you knew this, but, um, I think it's exclusively or almost exclusively made in indonesia um yeah i didn't even know that when i first heard of it but yeah and you're getting it straight from the cow then yeah 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 yeah. and and it is absolutely legal for export um but i i found some results that said it's banned for consumption publicly uh uh, personally and then some results that said it, it will be banned um for personal use but it's not yet so it started to seem like yeah, I shouldn't be flying with this. And then I and then I got a little bit paranoid. I was like, well, I just have this stuff out in my house because I thought it was totally legal. And I still think it is. I don't I don't really know. But um uh I have people that clean my place a couple times a week and I'm like, well, I'm just leaving this around. Like if they really wanted to fuck me and they knew that it was illegal and I didn't, I could I could get fucked basically. They could they could tell the police, I would have to bribe the police, something like that. I can just imagine, like, the police showing up and you going, I didn't know it was illegal. And it's like, yeah, yeah, asshole, get in the car. <laughs> it's so standard, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I thought, well, I should at least put it out of sight. Um, so that's what I did, but I did it a little bit too well. And what happened is there's a big dresser in my place. My place has really high ceilings and this dresser is really high. I, I don't, I think this dresser is probably 10 and 11 or 12 feet high. Really? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of did an underhand, I put, I put the kratom in, uh, I have a few different little sacks of it and I put it all in a shopping bag and I did an underhand little toss onto the top of the, the bureau. But what I didn't realize is that the bureau doesn't go all the way back to the wall and it went up and over the bureau and now it's behind it. And this bureau is flush with the wall. I don't even know how I would get this bureau out of the wall. Um, <laughs> it, it goes right up to the sides of the wall. So so what I actually tried to do was I tried to climb over the bureau, but it's it's high and it's really gross back there. And I don't even know if I could get back out. Because I, I, the only reason I can climb up there is because the shelves are really strong. Like This is a really strong bureau, strongly made of wood. I can actually climb the shelves. But I get up over the top, and the back is it's, um, it's just smooth wood. So, yeah, so, that, so that's what happened. Um, I had I to quit. I think you're just proving how deep into the addiction you were. You were willing to risk your life, potentially die alone in a room stuck behind a bureau. <laughs> that's a good it. point. That, that's a good point. And I started yeah. having that thought too as I was climbing it because um, I don't know how strong, I mean, it, it is strong enough to support my weight, but the the things that I'm holding on to as I'm climbing, if those fell off and like the whole bureau fell on top of me, I actually, I absolutely could have gotten really hurt. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll just leave it back there. And uh, that's how I quit Kratom by accident. That's awesome. So, uh, do you plan on getting more of it? No, not really. Yeah. Have you noticed a change in your moods at all? Like, did did you have like withdrawal symptoms? How long has it been? Um, I went to Jakarta on Friday, so okay. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It, it's almost a week. It's actually a week now. Um, and the thing is, it is in my experience, it is basically like any other drug and i don't know if this is how um medication works too but it just made me feel better when i took it in a little while afterwards so it wasn't really i don't know it did make me feel better but for a limited amount of time and yeah, just a band-aid yeah it's a band-aid that's right so it was nice but it's not an answer per se yeah well it's good that you you know you tried it out you realized, okay, this isn't an answer. It's just a Band-Aid. And you said, eh, not worth it. Not going to get it anymore. Because that yeah. could have went one of two ways. You could have e easily have gotten heavily addictive and reliant on this stuff. Or you could have said, nah, not for me. And you took the right path. So go Kyle. Maybe. I mean, I still like it. I like the way it makes me feel. Um, but especially now with the questionable legality, it's like, eh. Nah, it's not worth it. Is it, it. really worth it? Yeah. Because that'd be some heavy bribing that you'd have to do with the police over there. Dude, you don't even know. I, I heard this story. Um, I think I was in Jakarta when I heard it. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was my friend Chitra's story. Um, some rich kid, uh, Indonesian, got set up apparently. I don't, I don't know if I believe this part of the story. But they said that he was caught with one gram of marijuana and it wasn't his. I think it probably was his, but whatever. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is they had to bribe the police 100K US to get out of it for a gram of weed. 
And do you think that's because they knew his financial status? Like yes. they'll ask for more if they can get more. Okay. Yes, exactly. So maybe they would have been like, dude, 10 bucks. Like 15 yeah. bucks. <laughs> exactly. Not, he's probably living in a mansion if they're asking for 100K US. Yep. That's that's what it is. And that's why, uh, well, that, that's what I've heard anyway. I don't know if I believe everything, but that's what I've heard. They, they target specific people because they know they have money in. And that sucks. But so fucking... in, enough about Indonesia and its boringness. Uh, it's not interestingness. Yeah. Uh, you said you were turning over a new leaf before we started. Do you mind uh, explaining? Yes. Yeah, so you know how you know there have been times where I'm okay with being fat and like times where I'm struggling with my weight. And I was recently in a state of I'm I'm okay where I am. Yes. Well, I decided like yesterday that. I'm not okay anymore with it. All right. And you know what's weird too? I noticed myself even earlier in the week, kind of just like being more productive, not being as lazy. And this is before I was like, oh, I don't want to diet or anything. Um, or this was before I said I wanted to diet. Sorry. Um, but I noticed myself just being like more productive. And then one day I was just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, use these uh, bands that I have here, do some curls. You know, I do like little mini workouts. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it took, doing that for like two days and i was like you know what i don't want to be fat anymore so i'm gonna i'm turning over a new leaf i'm not drinking beer if i do drink it's gonna be vodka sodas i'm watching my weight and i'm fasting watching what i eat and i'm fasting all right well let's um let's dive a little bit deeper into this because i'm i'm gonna do it with you because i feel Exactly the same. I've been struggling with uh, keeping a diet for a while and then going to Jakarta. It was a great time, but uh, I really let the old dietary restrictions go if there were any to begin with. And anyway, long story short, I feel very fat right now. Yeah. And don't beat yourself too much. It's okay to do that on vacation. You know, you're somewhere else. You're going to try the food. You don't have your own like kitchen or anything. You're going you're gonna to let the diet slip. That's a good point, but I've been back for three days right now, and I've been doing the same goddamn thing. So it's yeah, that's just it's not the real primary thing. But let's do it. Uh, what are you What are you talking about? What's your What's your fasting? What is that? Um, so I started off with a twenty four hour fast. I decided to do like a diet, and the day I decided to do it, work was like, "Hey, we're ordering pizza for everyone in the company." So Antonio's Pizza came, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna eat this pizza, and then I'm not gonna." not gonna eat for a while so i ate the pizza and then it wasn't even on purpose it kind of happened on accident because i was busy like i had stopped at my in-laws after work uh then i had soccer so i didn't really eat beforehand and by the time i got home it was late so i didn't eat again then so i woke up this morning and was like hey i might as well just like ride this out and just do the 24 hours so i didn't eat until 12 30 again today but i think the normal goal i'm gonna try to hit is stop eating at eight can start eating again at noon that sounds pretty good yeah, yeah. i mean obviously you don't have to have the same window as me of course you have it's whatever works for you a lot of people think oh this is the best window uh no it just whatever works better for your schedule whatever it makes the diet as easy as possible tika does something kind of unique i've never even heard of it before but she uses an app for it so a lot of people must be doing it i don't know but she does I've, I've heard of this app before i don't know if it's the same one but i've heard of different types of apps where you track your fast 
Yeah. Well, what she does is I don't remember the name of the app, but um, she'll pick a program for the week and it tells her when to eat and when not to. And the, the thing that's unique about it is I've always heard about people doing intermittent fasting the way you're doing it. You pick a set time every day. Well, hers changes daily um, and it's kind of confusing. I don't think I would like it personally, but she she really likes it. And sometimes she's fasting for 12 hours. Sometimes she fasts for 24. It just is whenever the app tells her to. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ways to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't get too caught up in like the, oh, fasting is magic. It's not. It's just like restricting your calories. So I don't really see a purpose in getting funky with the windows. And I mean, I, I really don't know. I don't think that makes a difference i don't either uh yeah i don't either but she seems to like it uh maybe other people would too but no i'm I'm on the same page as you i'd rather do it the same time every day probably yeah obviously it's whatever works for you but um i just don't think there's any additional benefits i don't think there would be anyway i'm curious to see what they claim the extra benefits are from doing it this way because i'm sure they have some reason for it i don't even know if they do (laughs) They're just like, fuck it. We're going to get crazy with it. Well, the thing is, I think the more um, so so changing the windows is interesting. But the one thing that that is kind of interesting. Uh, well, yeah, I'm just mumbling now, but the, the fast will be longer. Uh, so she can pick like the easy program at the start of the week and the, the, the faster shorter. And then she can pick like the harder one. And that'll include like one 24 hour fast or something like that. So. I guess that would be a way to challenge yourself is even if you were doing the same times every day, you could do once a week or twice a week. You could do longer fasts. Um, and of course, just hope that the whole thing doesn't turn into full-blown anorexia. Um, that would be the one worry, but uh, that's another story. You know, that's something that kind of popped in my head. I don't know if I was overthinking, but when I decided I wanted to diet and lose weight, I feel like I almost tricked myself into being like, you're not hungry. You don't need to eat. And that's what turned into a 24-hour fast. I don't know. Yeah, I guess the same as drugs and addiction, I would say the thing you have to watch out for is how you actually feel when you're doing it because I don't, I don't think there's anything unhealthy about not eating for 24 hours. I think that's probably no. totally fine and probably good, but it just if you get obsessive about it, um, then that's not good, but it doesn't sound like you are. Well, it wasn't even so much the obsessive part. It was me being able to trick myself into thinking I'm not hungry naturally. Well, maybe you're just not because I know most of the time I eat, I'm not hungry. I'm just like, I want to eat something that tastes oh, dude, And that's pretty much I, what everybody in America does, right? Well, I've been eating because I've been so like my appetite's been wild lately. What do you mean? I've just been so hungry all the time. Uh, are you working out more or what's going on? You having your period or what? Uh, I could be. Um, I have no way to test. I, I was a little emotional. Are we? Is somebody going to get mad at me for saying that? Probably. Ah, come on. Um, no, no. I mean, it's natural. It's a symptom of PMS. So Yeah. Whatever. I'm just spitting, spitting facts. Um, hey, we yeah. don't discriminate our gender identification, okay? If I want to be no. a woman and have a period for one month, let me. And I do think men can get a less severe version of PMS. You know, and they sync up with their wives or girlfriends that they live with. 
I feel like I've heard of that before. I have it all the time. I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah. Really? Well, I think that could just be the depression and stuff or the bipolar that you're going through. Could be. Nice little jab. Thank you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I didn't mean it. I know. I know. I know. I know. Don't worry about it. But I am very excited. I feel good. I'm feeling more inclined to, you know, be active. And I think that kind of all started with starting soccer again. Oh, yeah. That's even good. The, even the one day a week running around, it took me a couple weeks into soccer to actually get in this mode. But, uh, hey, it worked. So. Yeah, those uh, those things that you have to show up for are very good motivation. I wrote a blog post about this like 10 fucking years ago. But... Um, it's, it's one thing to just go to the gym or exercise every day, and that works for a lot of people, and that's worked for me in the past. But something that also worked for me in the past was having uh, like jujitsu, for example, or, or soccer. It's You do that thing, and then you have this thought, like, I would like to be better at that on a regular basis. And even if I only do that one day per week, I would like to train to get ready for it. And it sounds like you've got that with soccer. And I, I've, I've been feeling that with the running group too. Like I would like to do my own running. So I'm faster for that group. So it's a kind of a social thing, a responsibility thing, but um, it's, it can be very useful. Do you think it could also be a, a self-confidence thing? Mm. Like we want to train to be better because we were afraid to embarrass ourselves. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I have this thing, even in soccer, like, I feel like I won't try to do anything that's not very, like, just meat and potatoes. Just simple, get the ball, move the ball. Because I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself. I feel like that's always in the back of my head. Yeah, like When I'm well, just kicking around before the game, like, I, I can do some a little bit of dribbling here and there. I'm not great at it. But in the game, I'm just very, get it, get away from me. Like, I don't know. Well, I think that... Yeah, that that's a confidence thing, but that's also just being a good teammate too. Um, because if you, the the more risk you take, the more chance you're going to lose the ball. So, um, I I did, I did the same thing. I played uh, football once, uh, like last month, and I was just with a group of new people, and I, I did the exact same thing, and I had the same thought as you, and I, I was thinking like, if I play with them again, then I'll try a little bit more. It's just yeah, again getting into it. So yeah, it's just start yeah, opening up a little bit get kind of comfortable about it that's something i wanted to like bring up with my therapist too like because i feel like i've always had a lack of self-confidence which is why i don't like social situations talking to people i'm not comfortable with yeah and that happens to me all the time if it's someone like i'm not really comfortable talking to or that i know really well i'm so fucking fidgety like i'm just looking for something to play with and sometimes i even take out my phone just because i feel like i need to be moving my hands and acting like i'm doing something like I'm uncomfortable in my own skin. Yeah, I know that too. Um, and I think that's gotten worse with me with my weight gain, 100%. Probably. Yeah, it's just too much um, too much focus on yourself rather than what you're actually doing. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's entirely on you because I don't know about you, but I'll get that more with some people and less with others. It's like if I'm talking to someone who's really interesting and engaging I'll I'll feel that way less whereas if I'm if I just feel like I'm there and I don't really want to be there then I get more like that and that probably comes too with 
you know, those conversations that aren't as engaging, they're more awkward. You know, that awkwardness leaves when you can relate to someone and have those good conversations. So you're not feeling as uncomfortable because it's not as awkward. In those conversations where you're pulling teeth, it's like you don't even know how to leave the conversation correctly. I really don't like those. Oh, my God. It is the worst. What's the last one? Uh, Sorry. What what do you mean? I'm just asking you, like, what's the last, like, describe the last time you had that type of interaction. It was just a conversation with someone about, this actually happened, like, earlier this week. At work? Yeah, it was just someone I don't really talk to. Like, there are a few people there that I talk to about fantasy football, you know, all that stuff. All gravy. You can talk to them all day. Um, But some conversations, I just don't know how to leave. And I don't remember exactly what the conversation was about. Sometimes it's even like um, I'll be fixing someone's computer and they're like super chatty. Right. I just I, I don't have anything to say. It all depends on my mood, too. If I'm sleepy, if I'm like irritable, because if I'm in a good mood, I'm a chatty Kathy. I can go all day. Yep. And I can make jokes and have good conversation with people about nothing and be OK with it. But there are some days where those are just so hard for me. I, I can't slamming my head against the fucking wall i know exactly what you're talking about well, yep. it's all depend dependent on my mood even if i'm tired but in a good mood which is rare i can make it work mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just brutal have you had those conversations recently it might be even tougher for you meeting new people with like a language barrier does that happen often well, I had uh, concerns that that was going to happen in Jakarta because I knew I was going to meet um, some of Tika's family. And Ooh, you didn't tell me that. You're meeting family. Actually, I wasn't. Did you try to slide that one by? No, no, I didn't. I'm trying to think if I knew beforehand. I think it kind of came up like uh, so. So she ended up picking me up from the airport. And then she just kind of said, oh, well, I'm picking you up with my brother. And I was like, oh. Okay, um, but the the concern was kind of doubled down because she mentioned that her brother and then her brother in law were were two pe- two important people that she sees regularly. She said they're both introverts, um, and uh, and apparently I am too. But anyway, kind of gave me the idea that the conversation with them was going to be awkward. Um, now her brother ended up being super easy because he just doesn't want to talk. <laughs> so he's just comfortable in the silence which is great maybe i don't know if he's comfortable or uncomfortable but it didn't even end up mattering because it was the three of us in the car for about an hour and he didn't even say a, a single damn word um wait now, really not even like a hello nice to meet you i think he said hi nice to meet you and then that was it and, and she would say something to him um and he would kind of respond but me and him didn't interact. We ended up interacting more later on. Um, we went to a theme park together, and then we played some cards later. And uh, we, we ended up getting pretty comfortable together. We, we talked about video games and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I was worried about that with him. And then also with the brother-in-law, but he ended up being super nice. And he, he actually seemed um, more 
like what you're talking about, like, like, um, he seemed a little uncomfortable. I don't know. I just kind of got that vibe that he was trying hard to make conversation with me, but it, it, it came off as really nice. Uh, it was kind of this, a little bit of nervous energy, but he was just really, really nice. And I, I didn't feel uncomfortable at all. So I was a little bit worried about that, but I didn't have any of that. Um, especially because it sounds like he's genuinely interested in trying to get to know you. You can yeah. still have those nervous jitters when you're talking to someone and still be interested. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and then as for the language barrier, um, I think it actually sometimes it helps because it can kind of take the expectations off of the conversation. It, it kind of gives yeah, you an excuse um, for not having it flowing because like if you, if you both speak perfect English or perfect, perfect Indonesian or whatever, there's this expectation that you should be talking the whole time. Whereas if there's a language barrier, it's like, eh, well, we tried or something. Yeah. Because like if I stumble over my words in English to someone that speaks Indonesian, they're not going to know I awkwardly stumbled over my words. They're going to think that's normal potentially. That's a good point. Yeah. That, that's a really good point. And I feel like, Culturally, there are different like body cues, if that makes sense. Like body language might be a little different when speaking. Um, Does that make- I think that's that a, a that's a reasonable guess, but not in my experience. It's not too important. It's it's the okay. same. Yeah, because I was I was just trying to think. Like I don't know. I feel like I've been in a situation where like me and this other person were speaking. They didn't have great English. I couldn't speak their language, and uh, I just noticed body language seemed a little different, but that could have just been this person specifically, so forget I fucking said it. What I have had a lot of times, and this ends up being less of an anxious thing and more of like a ugh thing, is like if if their English is really limited, I'll just have the same damn conversation. And it is so predictable by this point. Like I've been here for, I don't know, more than two years total. I don't know. But it's just, hi, how are you? Where are you from? How long have you been here? And then a couple other things. And I'm just so tired of it. Um, Yeah, it's like a script. Yes. Because that's like such a common thing to talk about, especially in a place where there's a lot of transplants. So like that's just the script every transplant has. This is what I stick to. I'll learn how to say this. Boom. Yes. And when I was really new here or whatever, or even a little after that, I would kind of get a little nervous, like doing that whole script. But now it's like I'm, a, I'm an actor that's been through that scene a thousand times. And it's just uh, there's there's no nerves left. It's just annoyance. Yeah. And you have to have those conversations. We can't be like Larry David and just be like, eh, no, thanks. Well, I, I did. Uh, it's funny you mention it because I did kind of a Larry David thing. Um, Ooh. It, uh, I wish there was more to the story. Maybe I could invent something, but I'll, I'll just keep it the, the real story for now. Um, there's this laundry place that I've been going to for more than a year, I think. And I'm, I'm very loyal with them because they're really nice. But they do that same thing with me every time. Like that now that they've gotten to know me, they, they feel comfortable talking to me every time I go. And it's, it's the same damn conversation every day. It's like – and it's in Indonesian. So I can I can speak a little bit of Indonesian. But basically they say – Hey, how are you today? Are you healthy? Are you happy? What did you do last night? Where are you going today? Blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing every single time I go. And I go to the laundry twice a week. I drop off my clothes and then I pick them up the next day. 
And like I said, I've been loyal with them. And I've even told them, like, I'm always going to come here. And I really believe that. But I changed my mind because this is the this is the Larry David part. I decided to switch laundries because I'm sick of that small talk. (laughs) And you told them flat out, I'll always be here for you. Yes. Oh my God, you didn't even have to say anything. You could have just went and then moved. You put yourself in that situation by pledging your allegiance to this laundromat. And my new laundry place is right around the corner. (laughs) Oh no, you know what's going to make this story even better? If we were filming this episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm and you were the main character, you would be going to like lunch or like walking to the other laundromat holding laundry. Yeah, 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 exactly. And passing (laughs) one of those people. That might happen. I really hope that happens. It might. That would be fantastic. But talking about this reminded me of a fucking fantastic Larry David moment I had. Yep. This was a few weeks ago. Um, It was, I was driving home from work and um, I don't even, I might have told this. I don't think I did. I'm driving home from work and um, to get onto the bridge, I have to take a left. There's a stoplight there and there's always a homeless person there. Mm Mm-hmm. So let me backtrack a little bit. My uh, underwear has been riding up all day. I'm wearing some tight, tidy whiteies. They were tight before my weight gain. They're tighter now. Okay. So I've been picking, uh, you know, the front wedge, you know, when it gets really up in the groin. Have you ever experienced this? I know what you're talking about. So I've been doing that all day. And so I'm leaving work and I'm really bunched up. I pull up to the stoplight where the homeless man is and I'm right at the front and he's right next to me. And me not thinking, I'm reaching in my pockets to um, pull the underwear down my legs. Ah, shit. And as I'm in my pockets, he thinks I'm grabbing him cash. So I look to my left as my hand's in my pockets, and he's looking at me, like waiting for me to give him money. And I didn't have any cash. So I just put my hands up and went, ooh, and drove away. Uh, (laughs) 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 I I didn't have any cash. (laughs) Oh, but that sucks. I was laughing so hard to myself yeah. at the situation. I felt bad. I wish I had something to give him. But well, um that is that's super relatable. That 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 same type of thing has happened to me. Not not that bad, but um at the stoplights here. At the stoplights here, there's there's a lot of kids and stuff that like I don't know if they're homeless or what, but they're just asking for money. And a lot of times I'll be like in my pocket, like checking my phone or changing the directions or something. And, and I've had that exact same feeling of like, ah, shit, I shouldn't be in my pocket because they're going to expect something. That's funny, isn't it? Like, uh, I wonder if that's something that everybody deals with, or that's just like, uh, it's a, it's a you and me thing, like being a little bit anxious or something and, and worrying too much about what other people think. Cause I, I think a lot of people would be like, ah, fuck them. Like they don't just, they, they don't have a claim to money just because I put my hand in my pocket. But I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about, so it's funny. Yeah, it's just that there's an expectation. Yeah. And I'm aware of the expectation, probably over, like, too aware of the expectation. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, that that was cracking me up uh, the whole way home. I felt awful, wanted to give him cash, but alas, I had none. Well, that's good that you ended up focusing on the humor rather than the embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, I, what are you going to do? It, it was a funny, and maybe I thought it was so funny because I just started watching Curb again. Um, but, oh man, too good. Um, fuck, I had a little segue here, but I forgot. I think that might have been the day that I got, no, that's not the day I got hit. Because I got hit on the bridge. Did I tell you that? Oh, yeah? 
No. Yeah, it was um, it was stupid. I was on the bridge and I was going to switch lanes. This jeep was a little close, but I thought I could make it. And as I'm going to make like merge, she speeds up. Like to purpose not let you in. Yeah, it seemed that way. Maybe I just painted that picture in my mind, mm. but it really seemed that way in the moment. And luckily, her vehicle had no damage because um, she was in a lifted Jeep, and it kind of just ripped my bumper off under her fender. So oh. I'm driving around a car with no bumper right now, which is embarrassing in itself. But I just don't feel like putting it on. I have the piece in my porch room. I'm not a handyman. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'll make time to do it eventually. But, yep. Hit me right on the bridge. So what happened? You both pulled over and assessed the damage or just whatever or what? Yeah. Well, she called the cops immediately from her car. I got out of my car, pulled over on the bridge, and I was like looking like, hey, are you okay? Like checking on her. And um, yeah, she didn't leave the car, just kind of looked at me. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I was looking. She didn't have any damage. We pulled over the bridge. And I'm literally, I was on the base of the bridge. I had to go up and over. And... We tried to get the bumper to clip back on, but it wouldn't. So I dragged a bumper on the ground behind my car for about, I want to say, two miles. Well, however what? long the fucking bridge is. It was a long time, but I'm just dragging a bumper behind my car to get to the other side of the bridge, uphill, then back downhill, then off the exit into a parking lot. Oh, oh, dragging it with your car, not by hand. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, not by hand. <laughs> I, no, I had this vision that. of you as, as a, like a orangutan with a bumper dragging in your hand behind you. Imagine <laughs> me running up the bridge holding a bumper just going over the bridge. That <laughs> would have been a sight to see. Part of your new exercise that, regime. Yeah. That's the worst feeling, too, when you get in an accident and you get out and every car that passes is looking at you. Who's the asshole? What happened? Everyone's turkey necking. I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. Of course. But at the end of it, she had no damage. It was technically my fault, according to the officer. Um, and she was like, I'm not even going to claim it. I mean, there's no damage. You got you got the worst of it. So I said, all right, well, here's my number. If you change your mind, call me. I was being very nice to this lady. That's very nice. Yeah, I even was like, are you all right? She's like, yeah, I'm not hurt. I said, are you like mentally all right? Because like, getting in an accident is pretty scary. Like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. So everything ended up being good, but man, was that annoying. Quite, yeah. I had um, maybe the smallest accident possible uh, last week. Um, it's just driving the driving the motorbike, the scooter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I guess I was a little bit too close to the middle, and maybe the the car was too. But I think I think my rearview mirror clipped their rearview mirror, and Nobody's even stopping. I mean, it's it's nothing. I don't even know if they felt it. But I feel like I, that's super. Con- don't people get in accidents and like clip each other all the time over there because the street is so busy? Probably, but not not from me. I, I've always wondered that. Like this must happen all the time. But it did give me a reality check. Like I'm not anxious at all about driving, but I probably should be because yeah. it's pretty scary when you think about it. And that that's what that little clip did. It's like, oh shit, was I that close? Like he. Yeah. I'll be honest. I was a little shook. I was like, oh man, like that could have been way worse. Like I was on the bridge right near the curb. Like that could have been bad. I got to be a little safer. Let's not. I've, I've noticed I've like not been trying to make those tight holes anymore. I've just been like, fuck it. I'm not really in that much of a rush. It's not worth what could potentially happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, 
so so my thing too i um I'll, I'll browse reddit sometimes and there's this sub called um idiots in cars i think or something like that yeah. or drivers or whatever but there was this one where this guy on a motorcycle um split lanes like right like there's two cars in two lanes and he went between them and they they merged and the guy i think he died uh in the clip like it was a short video and in the comments everybody's like well he shouldn't be doing that that is illegal right right and it's like well i think that's that might be true in in the united states but that is just common here that's what everybody does i do that every single time i drive and i I think people doing that here all the time i really don't think it's illegal I don't know if it is or not. I think that's perfectly legal. I think it depends on the state and and also on the situation. But um, but yeah, I, I think cars here are more careful because there's so many people on bikes. But still, man, it's just on the bike. There's so many times where if something goes a little bit wrong, it could be a big, big problem. And yeah, it's it's something I don't think about often. But when I do, I'm like, I don't I don't like it. Like just that possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought of getting my motorcycle license because it seems cool. It seems like fun. It is cool. But, it is fun. But the risk is so high being on a motorcycle, traveling at 60 miles an hour with nothing to protect you. If you hit a pothole, you could go flying. Yeah. Never mind people texting and driving, just bad drivers in general. Like It is very risky to drive a motorcycle, I feel. And that happens sometimes. Like I was, uh, I was with Tika in the in a part of town that I hadn't been in for a year. Like I hadn't gone to this particular part of town, and I used to drive these roads all the time. So I was very comfortable going fast. And boom, pothole! It wasn't there last year, and we almost went down. I mean, not not like super almost, but like it was a it was a hard hit the pothole. And like ah shit, it just doesn't yeah. feel good. And ugh scary yeah it is scary and i i think a lot of people don't realize how dangerous driving in general is you know what i mean we're driving around these massive vehicles at high speeds it doesn't take much for you to get seriously injured in an accident it's very easy to take for granted because it's a daily activity and everybody does it but yeah yeah Yeah, i do this so often i never get in accidents and then you have that reality check and it's like oh fuck I remember distinctly um, being high on marijuana with um, Pete and Dan and Ryan, I think. They they all just lost their job. Yeah, I hope so. And <laughs> we were high in the car, and I don't I don't think we were driving, but um, and and this is not a it's not an original premise but it it was at the time i don't i don't remember how old i was but i think this was the first time i'd ever thought this or heard this and i th- i don't remember who it was i think it was peter dan but they're like this is a this is a thousand this is like a 2000 pound missile we're driving around right and it was especially because of the the weed that we're having those types of thoughts but it's like this is so dangerous <laughs> it's crazy yeah have you ever had like a near like almost terrible accident because I had one kind of recently, and us talking about this reminded me of it, and I'm like getting anxious thinking about it now. I had a I had I an actual on... bad one. Yeah. Um, oh really? I've never been in like an actual bad one. Yeah, it was again a part of town that it, I think that's so important too. If you're if you're driving in a place you're not aware of, like you're just not aware of the turns and the roads or whatever. But this particular place, I don't even really remember where it was, but it was in Rhode Island. 
and I was driving my new Mitsubishi Galant, uh, which did not last long because of this accident and another one. But um, I was turning left at a, at a light, and it was one of those situations where it's uh, I have a green, but for left, but also the people going straight do too. And it was on a hill. So the guy coming over the hill and going straight was flying as I was making the left. And when he went straight into me and, uh, airbags went off, like I got a little caught in my chin and my car was fucked. And, uh, it didn't really mess me up psychologically. Like I, I think for a little while afterwards, I was a little bit scared driving, but I didn't have like PTSD from it or anything like that. But it was a legitimate accident. Yeah, that's always terrifying. And the situation I had, the one that I just told you I got anxious about, um, I was clipping on the highway. No, not clipping. I was probably doing the normal speed. It probably just seemed fast because of what almost happened. And I looked down at my phone just to change the song, just a quick change of the song. And I'm doing 65, and I didn't realize there was a dead stop in traffic right in front of me. So as I looked up, the car was very close. I slammed on the brakes and just went into the other lane because if I didn't turn into the other lane, I would have demolished the car in front of me. And then I hit a car to my right. Luckily, it was another Jeep. I only hit Jeeps and they're all high. And I only had like bumped off this person's tire. So I pull off the highway and they just left. They were like, yeah, fuck it. I don't want to deal with it. But <laughs> it was so close to being awful. And I felt like so anxious afterwards because I was like driving with my wife and I'm like, well, I would have been responsible for like hurting her, myself and the people in the car in front of me. So I was rattled. I mean, like I said, I'm, I just got anxious thinking about it. Like I do not. Yeah. Do you ever get anxious thinking about certain situations in hindsight, even though nothing bad happened in the moment? Absolutely. And this, so first of all, I just want to mention that this is a great advertisement for Jeeps because apparently you can just get into accidents and not care. Um, so that's I've great. I've hit two of them. They've been fine. Both that's of them. great. My car, not so much. Yeah. But so, yes. Yeah. There was advertisers this. Advertisers at Jeep, we know you're listening. There was, this, there was this one instance that happened uh, about, I guess it was a year and a half ago. Um, it was with my friend Jenny. And we had some drinks out at this bar and I was driving her home and I was not 100% sober. I would not have passed the test. It wasn't super bad, but it was enough to be like irresponsible and regret it later. And there was this one moment where it was one of those situations where I was passing this car and then there was another one coming and I had already started. And if I had stopped, it might have been dangerous. Like I would have had to kind of go back behind and then maybe the guy behind me would have hit me. But I decided to keep going and it was close and nothing happened. We were totally fine. But later on, I apologized to her profusely. And then the next day and then for months going forward, I kept like bringing it up and saying, hey, I'm sorry about that because I just kept thinking we could have fucking died right then and there. And in like you said, even thinking about it right now makes me a little bit anxious and like regretful because it was just so stupid. Yeah. I get that even with like small things. Mm -hmm. Not like not small things, but here's an instance um, or example, not an instance. We were trying to get Ollie out of the bedroom so we could make the bed. And so I went out and got him a treat because every time we make the bed, he jumps up on the bed and he just starts running around and like playing because he thinks it's a game and he likes to fuck with us. So I go get a treat and I bring him out 
And I thought Michelle was at the door, and she wasn't at the door. So I give Ollie the treat, and he starts booking it back to the bedroom. And I go, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. And she almost goes to slam it and would have smashed him right in the face, like, really hard. <laughs> but she stopped herself. Yeah. But I'm I that runs through my head, like, holy shit. Like, I could have seriously got my dog injured there. Like, he would have been fucked up from that. Nah, he'd and be I, fine. I'm, I don't know. He, she was about to close the door hard. <laughs> yeah well i guess that goes back to your whole like dog preoccupation um yeah but i but i get it that i still get like fucking shivers when i think of that i hate it i hate it so much oh he's so lucky to have you instead of someone who doesn't care i care too much it's a problem not for him no no not for lucky boy yeah he runs the show apparently he chooses where he wants to sleep in the bed i barely get any room because he sleeps on my side with me, I, I, he runs the show. He tests me sometimes too, dude. He'll have food in his bowl, and he'll stand at his food container. I'll go, dude, you have food in the bowl, but he wants me to freshen it up. So he'll sit there. I'll grab the food, walk over to his bowl, and then he'll run away. Yeah, he does it every time. What an asshole! Acts like he needs to go outside. I go to hook him up. He runs, hides under the table, and starts like playing. And I'm like, you just made it seem like you had to go to the bathroom. I'm trying to be a good parent here, and you're fucking with me. Jerk. But that's what makes him so great. He's hilarious. What's another one of those things that you think back on and uh, and, and cringe, so to speak, or, or feel bad about? I think we even did one of these before on the podcast, but it's a, it's a nice topic, and it's so relatable, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone can relate to your story a little bit as far as, you know, drinking and driving and not realizing how drunk you were before you got behind the wheel because you have that false confidence and you know you get home and you're like i can't believe i did that like i i've had that experience i'm sure multiple people have it's definitely not a good feeling even when nothing happens but if you're a decent human being i feel like you feel guilty after it for a while for me too i I had a couple of those in the past too and and apparently it's it didn't really change my behavior long term because I did it a couple more times. But yeah, it, it, it'll it'll make me feel really bad for several months at least. Yeah, and that, it's just so scary. And the fact that we do it again, knowing what we felt like afterwards, because I'm not a saint. I've done it. Well, I don't do it anymore, like at all. But back in the day, there was a few times I did it, and I was like, I shouldn't do that ever again. But I repeated that behavior. That just goes to show you how, like, what alcohol does to your inhibitions and decision making. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it makes you irrationally confident. And you're just like, nah, I got it. <laughs> and Yeah, like, couldn't be me. Everyone <laughs> always thinks that. Couldn't be me. That yeah. can never happen to me. And, and that, that kind of brings me to another thing, actually. So, sorry. We okay. actually we recently got some tough news about someone in the family. Um, so you never think that stuff can happen to you or people you love, but like it's scary. And it had me thinking about my own mortality a little bit. And like I wasn't freaking out, but I was like, oh man, like this it's it makes you like appreciate, you know, the people you do have in your life. Can you be more specific? Uh, it, it's a cancer diagnosis. Ah, uh, shit. Uh, a rare aggressive one. But, uh, you know, we have to wait and see what the next steps are. Um, 
it could be okay, but it also could be terrible. So it's one of those things where it really makes you think and appreciate the people around you more. Um, we actually have a picture in our house of another family member that we had lost to cancer. And it's a picture of him, his brother, and his father. And you look at it and you see they're so happy in that moment. And they're smiling. Nothing's wrong. And it's just crazy to think. Like, you, you just don't know when something like that is going to happen. Of course. And it really could happen at any time. Literally any time. And that relates to the car accident stuff, too. Like, that one serious accident, and you could be just, that's it. That's gone. That person's gone. You're gone. Yeah. The cancer thing, um, my, my stepbrother is such a good example of that because I, I think he was only a little bit older than me when he was diagnosed with um, the, the colon cancer. And he lasted a couple more years, but he's yeah, he, he died uh, mid-30s, mid, early mid-30s. And that's just, that, that, could hap- that could happen to anyone. I didn't even know that about you. Did, were you close with your stepbrother? Not particularly. Um, it's still, I mean, yeah. it's still a terrible, awful thing to deal with, whether you're close or not. Just it's family, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, you're you're right it, that it makes you think like that. Yeah, it gets the wheels turning, and almost selfishly, because you start someone's going through something terrible that you're close with, and you start thinking of your yourself not really yourself but you know it's a little selfish don't you think uh i think that's just how we work i think even in order to comprehend something you have to put it in terms of yourself so it is it is selfish by definition but i think it's totally natural and i think probably everyone does that yeah um i don't know it just it was kind of like a not a wake-up call but just you really got to appreciate the time we have here with the people that you want to like with the people you love, you know, I don't know, not to get corny, but it, it was a eye opener. Well, <clears throat> very corny, but uh, not untrue. So, yeah. 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 I don't know. It sends me down a rabbit hole, like especially situations like this, like, should I reach out to my parents? Should I try to talk to like, I, it just sends me into this spot where I didn't think I would go to again. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a hard decision to make. Um, I don't, I don't know your exact situation. I don't even know who you're talking about, but, uh, if you're, if you're thinking about it, I'd I'd say, why not? Like with my parent, I mean, my mom called me on Thanksgiving for the first time in like two years Mm. and I didn't answer because it was from a random phone. And um, I just ignored it. She left a message. I heard the message. I never called back. Well, I'll tell you that. Um, so it was my stepbrother uh, about a year ago. And then my stepmom was more recently about a half a year ago. But I regret not reaching out to her. Because I would only, uh, throughout our relationship, I, I've known her for a while, but we would only talk through my dad, basically. And whenever we met, it would be a family thing. So we didn't have a close personal relationship. But when she was going through it, I kept thinking that I should reach out to her personally, even though I never had. 
and uh, I, I didn't, and I do regret it. So I don't know if that yeah. helps you with your decision at all, but yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's a mind fuck. I ended up texting the number back saying like, hey, sorry, I was busy. Happy Thanksgiving. But I don't know if like it's a me just being angry at at her, really. Mm. I, mean, I guess I am. I I don't offer too much of my thinking to that situation because it's just been a normal part of my life for a while. But, um, I mean, lately, obviously, since all this has gone down, it's got me thinking about it a little bit. Well, I guess what do you stand to gain and what do you stand to lose? And are you holding on to something you don't need to hold on to anymore? And I, I don't I don't think this is the right answer. I know I'm kind of leading you in a certain direction, but it's it's something only you can decide. But you have to you have to kind of carefully consider all those things. Yeah. There's nothing in my mind that I feel like I'm holding on to. Like, I don't know what I would say. I don't think what I want to say is even necessary or if it would even be processed. I've hinted at it a few times here, but um, drug issues in my family. Mm -hmm. So, um, Kratom. It's not good. No, not Kratom. <laughs> it's a little heavier than that. Yeah. Um, fentanyl. Um, so... I, I don't know if it even be processed and I don't know if it's worth my energy, but my fear is when something ultimately does happen, will I have that thing that I really wanted to say that I didn't have before? You Maybe. Know? Yeah. And, and again, to do the same kind of thing and, and kind of, kind of lead you in a direction that I, I maybe maybe shouldn't be. But another thing that I think about um, with my own situation is was I was I carrying that idea in my head for weeks or months that I should make that call and maybe making that call would have e even selfishly benefited me because then I could have said, well, I did I did what I should have done. So it wouldn't have even been necessarily for her or or for any express purpose except for just getting it off my mind because I mean that with that that could be applied to anything in life it's like you have some little chore that has to be done or something and and you make it into a bigger thing because you think about it every day that you don't do it so I don't know maybe maybe that would even be a good reason to do it just get that off but, your mind but even in that situation that you just said where you say you're doing it selfishly and for you yeah even if that is the case the person on the receiving end probably would have still really appreciated it. So even if that's not your end goal, that's likely the outcome. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I got to toss it around a bit. It's just, um, it's a tough situation. Yeah. It's an easy thing to avoid and, and put off. Um, and, and that's what I've been doing. And part of it's, ironically exactly the thing that we're talking about not doing is like you think you always have more time and i i do that regularly with my entire family like i just think ah well i should i should call my dad well, i'll do it tomorrow and then tomorrow comes and i think i'll do it tomorrow and it, it's not even a particularly big problem for me but it's it's what we're talking about it's it's the idea that you always have more time but you, you really don't know so yeah I did see a video online. This was going around a while ago, but these two men were talking 
and he one of them asked how often do you see your parents and he said oh like once or twice a year and he said yeah. are you okay with that and he said yes and he said okay so how old are your parents he's like all right they're 70 it's like average lifespan is this you see them twice a year so you have like eight more meetings with your parents are you okay with that number so exactly. thinking of it that way it kind of I don't know. I've never really thought of it that in in those terms until I heard them speaking about it. But it's kind of crazy. It, I don't know. It's just uh, I don't like it. Don't like it. I saw that exact same video and I had that same reaction. And um, in hindsight, it ended up being super true for my grandparents because I think I saw it before they both died. And if I had actually applied that math, I would have realized, well, I, only, I got less than five times left. And that ended up being more than true. I, I don't even know if I saw my grandpa after that. And I think I saw my grandma twice more, maybe. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's another one of those things. And I don't, I don't know if this is a common experience, but I think for me anyway, and I think maybe for other people, you can kind of logically know something's true and, and maybe maybe someone's even listening and thinking well oh yeah that's true i only have less than 10 times to see my grandparents or something like that but it doesn't really hit you on this on this real level like you you might even know it's true but you don't really act as if it's, as if it's true or it doesn't it doesn't change anything i don't know if i'm really explaining what i'm what i mean no you are it, and it could be that or it could be just the that thought you brought up earlier of I have more time because we always have that. Oh, that couldn't happen to me. Nothing bad will happen to me or my family or the people that I love. Yeah. We always have that feeling like, Oh no way. But no, it can happen to anybody at I, any time. I think that's one of the more severe things about getting older too, is you inevitably know more people that have died and more yeah. people close to you. And I haven't really reached that point yet. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I have actually, but I think that's, I think it starts to get really sad as you get significantly older. And, and especially if you can imagine making it to 70 or 80 or 90 and everyone, you know, is dead. Like that's really fucked up, huh? Yeah. Because it also helps you realize my time is, almost up mm -hmm. like i can't imagine like, like living in a nursing home people around you are dying like very frequently it's just a constant reminder of right around the corner bud well thank you for listening to the death cast with chris and kyle <laughs> yeah if you were happy going into this i, I mean we started off like pretty like yeah just regular people talk and then we were just like yeah we're all gonna die and it could happen to you at any time so wait for it yeah it's a funny thing it's if, if you could keep that awareness in your head in in a positive way for for everything too like you're turning over a new leaf i want to too and if you could do it in that context, like, well, I only have this much time left. I want to spend it the best way possible. I want to appreciate the people around me, blah, blah, blah. If you could keep that awareness with you in the best way possible, then it would be a good thing. If, if you keep that awareness in yourself too much and now you're worried about death all the time, then that's a bad thing. But what happens for me is I just tend to forget it. 
And I just tend to think I have a lot more time or, or unlimited time. I don't even know what's going on in my own mind, but, but it does, it does seem like there's a lesson in there somewhere. Yeah. I think it comes down to accepting that your time is going to come eventually. So if you are going to channel that energy of, let me just do what I want and really enjoy this while I'm here, um, you can be successful. You have to accept it before you can truly channel that energy and go for it, I feel. Yeah. Do you think, so uh, I, what, what's your relationship I, I feel, to it? I feel like I've accepted it, but I'm also not living my life that way. So have I really accepted it? Am I on to something here? Yeah, that, that's one of those cliche things. People talk about getting a, a terminal diagnosis and they say, well, you start really appreciating life for the first time and you start living differently. Uh, I don't even know if that's really true, but that's what I've heard a bunch of times. And uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think I don't think I fully appreciate it. Um, it still feels like I know it. I know it logically that I'll die, but I don't really act as if. Yeah, it's a fucked up thing. It really is. But that's life. What are you going to do? It got dark quick. But I guess we're back on the sad boy train. This is two episodes in a row. We can't get off it for very long, though. What do you mean? Being like the sad boy stuff? Yeah, we don't. We never do. We're, we always tail back. Yeah, we're, we're on the and train. We'll, we'll visit some new areas once in a while. We'll visit Positivity Town or Optimism, Optimismville. But you got to get back on the sad boy train. That's where we live. Yeah, yeah. We got to get working on that merch. Mm-hmm. Sad boy stuff. Yeah. Um, so here's a little teaser, actually. Um, this actually relates back to last week's episode. Yep. Where we talk about Kyle's diagnosis, um, his conversation with his therapist, what his next steps are. So do you want to give us a little rundown? You have a meeting tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it's tonight for me. Um, tonight for you. Yeah, in roughly roughly 10 or 11 hours, I should be talking to my therapist again. And just to, just to recap from last episode, um, he decided that he might not be able to help me anymore because he's actually not even qualified to give a formal diagnosis. But he said, well, you, your issues might be severe enough to warrant talking to someone locally or medication or something like that and the way i left it off with him is like he's gonna talk to his supervisor and then they're gonna talk to me again and i did email him in the middle of the week i had to reschedule our appointment because i was in jakarta and he said uh he said we can still keep having sessions but they he will discuss um other options with me too so that that is what's happening and during the week i believe our beloved uh nick who we had on uh, previously, the, the psychologist expert, he, he said he was listening to our last episode and he had some thoughts. I, I, am I getting that all right? Yes, you are. And he didn't go into any detail, right? He kind of left us hanging, which is very uh, scintillating. Yes. He, did, he was like, I was, I'm listening to the podcast. I wish I was on this. There are so many comments I have. I said, you want to come on the next episode? So he'll be on. Next week, our resident therapist, first time, first recurring guest. This is the first double dip. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and that'll be uh, that'll be very soon. I mean, they they won't hear it for a little while, but that that's actually going to be in about twenty four hours, right? Yes, we are having that conversation tomorrow night, which also means we're going to have episodes banked up. So now we have to stick with keeping the banked episodes because Jake got a job. We had him on. We talked about looking for jobs. Jake got a job. Congratulations, Jake. He used me as a reference, and he said he worked with me at doubly negative, so we are fucking legit. That's so funny. I love that. And congratulations, Jake. Congratulations, Jake. Um, So, oh, you know what I forgot? What'd you forget? Com. Use code doubly negative. Ah, you cock. I, I wanted to think of a way to slip it in every episode, and I didn't think of it this way until an hour and five minutes in. Uh, you slipped it in now. Well, if anyone's still listening at this point, which actually I think people do regularly listen to the end when I look at the data. So if you're listening at this point, com, promo code doubly. Saved me. Yeah, see, that's how Kyle got off Kratom. <laughs> yeah. I got on so, other stuff. Yeah, so it works. So, Kyle, we can put a bow on this here. I, why do I always say that at the end of every episode? Put a bow on it. We never what? actually put a bow. Oh, you're not? I, I I am. I have a bow. I'm I'm tying it right now. I'm not talking literal bow. I'm talking... I don't even put a figurative bow on it. I just say, any words? You go, no, and I go, bye. That's not a bow. Oh, my mistake. Yeah. I don't know. Well, any closing words, Kyle? Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm excited for next episode. I think uh, I'm, I'm yeah. Last time we had next last time we had Nick on, it was great, and this time it'll be very juicy uh, because I think we've given him a lot of material. I hope we made notes um, for the things he wanted to talk about, and yeah, should be good. All right, awesome. So, Kyle, I will talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Bye. This is life being bound to love.